I'm Matt Bergman, and you are listening to the Punk Rock Libertarians Podcast, episode 271. I'm here tonight with Jared Schneiderman. What's up, everybody? Phil Dassing. Hello, quarantine friends. Kyle Wagner. Hey, guys. And special guest, Julie Borowski. Hello. Hey, Julie. Thanks for uh, coming on the podcast tonight. Uh, everybody's like really psyched about this. Um, it, for anybody who's listening that may not, might not know Julie, I mean, everybody should know Julie, but uh, she's <laughs> a longtime uh, internet activist, uh, quote unquote, celebritarian content creator, um, children's book author. Um, yeah, she's, uh, she's been in the Liberty game for a long time. Um, and we thank her for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, how did you get into, like, libertarianism? And, like, where did you come from? Did you come from, like, the right or the left? Oh, I was a hardcore neocon in high school. I was a George W. Bush supporter. I wanted to nuke Iraq, Iran. Mm. I didn't know the difference between them, but I just wanted to nuke the entire Middle East. <laughs> so I came from that perspective, believe it or not. And from and the, the Kyle Wagner school of uh <laughs> all right yeah so i came from the right i was a hardcore republican like i said and you know it's interesting because my grandfather was a libertarian but he never used the word and he used to criticize bush and i used to be mad about that and i was like how could you criticize bush like he's a republican he's on our side and i realized that my grandfather wasn't exactly a republican he was a libertarian never used the word but so I kind of got introduced that way. He talked about the government and, you know, how the people should have freedom and liberty and all this stuff and about how George W. Bush was kind of evil for going into the Middle East. And it really opened my eyes. But it wasn't until probably I was 15 that I first heard the word libertarian. And it was because I was trolling on Internet forum uh, back <laughs> in the day, I guess 2004-ish. It was a website called buddypick.com which still exists, but I trolled the forums there and somebody said they were a libertarian. And I thought that meant like a super liberal person, never heard the word word. So I Googled it and it said people who want maximum freedom. But at the time as a Republican, I thought I was somebody who wanted maximum freedom, like the left, they hate freedom. The right likes freedom, very lacking critical thinking skills there. But I kind of Googled libertarianism and I saw all this stuff about like drug use. And I was like, what? How do they support <laughs> drug use? That's what that's like for the left. And then I realized that they were coming at it from a free market capitalism perspective, which I was already for and uh, support of. So I was like, OK. And I read more and I really liked what they said. And I finally was like, OK, I'm a libertarian. And it wasn't until 2007 I saw Ron Paul, and I guess that's where it kind of took off, but I really wanted to get involved. And then I started a YouTube channel a couple years later and blah, 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 blah. So, like, what was your first YouTube video, and, and what, like, prompted you to, like, uh, create it? And, like, did you just do, like, one video, or did you just decide, like, oh, man, I'm going to do a channel? Okay, so I was working at this organization called FreedomWorks in 2011, so I, I was an intern in D.C. I was doing all these like libertarian free market think tank type of things. And one day and I was a big Ron Paul supporter, like I said, and everyone at my office knew that I was the Ron Paul person to go to about Ron Paul. And this news organization reached out to my boss. They said, hey, we want somebody to come on to talk about Ron Paul because he just announced he was running for president again. 
And my boss couldn't do it. He had another obligation. So he said, oh, hey, we have somebody here on our staff. Her name's Julie. She's a big Ron Paul supporter. Like she could go on TV to talk about it. And my boss first asked me and I was like, oh my gosh, I've never been on TV, let alone interviewed. Like I'm going to like puke or like crap my pants on live national TV talking about the election. Like I knew Ron Paul, I knew, I knew all the information, but I was like, oh my gosh, like to be interviewed on TV, that's a huge deal. Well, it turns out my boss asked if they were to take me and they said no, because I had never been on TV. So of course they weren't going to put me out to millions of people not knowing how I would do on TV. So it kind of hit me there like, hey, I need to practice some. I actually need to put some videos online because someday they may want to put me on TV and like my boss could say, oh, hey, here's some videos of her talking about Ron Paul, libertarianism, whatever. So it was really just me kind of being like, okay, I'm going to practice interviewing on YouTube. (laughs) And on YouTube, you definitely get some criticism, which I knew I needed. So I was like, okay, well, I'll interview myself about Ron Paul. I put it on YouTube. So that's how that started. It was never me like thinking, oh, I'm going to start a channel. I'm going to upload all these videos. I was like, I'll upload a few and, you know, maybe it'll help my career a little bit. So it's fair to say that you just kind of like did one and it it, it did better than you thought it would do. So that kind of like um, convinced you to do more. Yeah, I was on Twitter for a while. So I had some followers there. And I, I posted and they were like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Do more, do more of these. So I was like, okay, well, I might as well try and see where it goes. Cool, cool. Yeah, I'm going to, th- I'm going to throw it at uh, some of the other guys, give them a chance to ask, ask some questions. Yeah, I, I would say this uh, this little experiment in YouTube led all the way up to the culmination of um, your media career, which is now your OnlyFans page. Um, <laughs> and I, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people are very curious. We've heard... All of us, we were talking about it before the show. We've all heard yes. different rumors about what's on there. Um, so uh, I've heard that you're reading the Constitution in your bikini. Yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I think that the, the fans would like to know more about this OnlyFans channel. Yeah, so like I'm, I'm, I'm on there like in my bikini. I also show my feet on the recent one. So, Give no, so let me explain this. Okay, so... I had no idea what OnlyFans was, but I saw a bunch of memes about it. I was like, what are they talking about? And then I saw all these like these like men's rights activists who were really, really mad about OnlyFans and posting these memes, all these whores on these. I was like, what the heck? And I went on it and like there's a bunch of like influencers selling their nudes and stuff to these men and charging money. And I was like, oh, okay. Hey, wouldn't it be funny if these women were like education educating people for fans about something so i was like oh this is kind of funny oh what if i didn't only fans but like i'm not going to be nude because that's not my style but what if i did a total troll job on this so no i'm not going to tell you what's on there because i want you to pay the five dollars a month (laughs) I think it's worth $5. A lot of people said they had no idea what this was and they really are glad they signed up. So it's a total troll joke. It's a lighthearted thing. And yes, I am reading the constitution. So it is educational. And right now I'm in the top 15% of only fans. Um, yes. You can congratulate me on that. Um, Congratulations. So <laughs> thank you. More people who don't know who I am. Wait, is that, is that top 15% of subscribers or, or of all people on only fans? I'm in the top 15%. Wow. 
Nice. Wow. Yeah, so I'm just providing some wholesome educational content to OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. awesome. That's a good promo. Yeah. That's a, so I, I feel pretty dumb. I fell for your April Fool's Day joke. Uh, I fell on, for it two years in a row. Two years in a row, I've fallen for it, and I shouldn't do better. I was but like, you, okay, this is really different. So for those that didn't see it, Julie posted an April Fool's joke where she was selling mm-hmm. breast milk. Yes. And uh, I was kind of like, and, and uh, I saw it in another group. Somebody yeah, was like, uh, Kyle, had the, the, Kyle had the wallet out. <laughs> I did not have the wallet. He is out. actually a collector. I was really worried about her. I was like, she must really need money. I mean, how much can this go for? Like, mm-hmm. anyway, I feel Where's like a dumbass now. All right. Yeah. So I'm kind of a prankster. Yeah. The um, tattoo got me. Yeah. Yeah. So the best April Fool's pranks are something that can, might be believable, but still kind of a joke, and it's like. Really? Is that so many libertarians are really bad at April Fool's jokes? And they're like, oh, I'm supporting Bernie Sanders, guys. Like, right. oh, ha, ha, funny. No, like, nobody believes it's that. It's the worst. Yeah, Phil complains yeah. about that heavily every year. I hate I hate April Fool's Day so much because it's such a hack job. A bunch of people think they're funny, but for real, two years in a row, you've gotten me. So, like, you're the best at it that <laughs> yeah, I know. We actually talked so, about it on this podcast. Yeah. Like, we, did, we did. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I was like, oh, oh, man, like, I don't know. Like, I, my wife breastfeeds exclusively, you know. Awesome. And she's kind of like a, so she was like an advocate of it. And I was just like, I don't know. Like, I don't mind, you know, other moms using it if they need it, but like selling it just seems weird. Like, how are you going to sell it for your child? And, you know, like, <laughs> we actually had this conversation on April Fool's, or, or shortly after April Fool's. So you got yeah. it. So there was this girl, and you know, no judgment, whatever. But um, she was selling her uh, bath water online. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I was, and that was a huge viral thing, and people were tweeting it, and it was a huge thing. So I got a lot of attention. And so for April Fool's Day, I, I, I'm a mother. I do breastfeed, so it's still believable. And to sell like my breast milk, I knew that may go viral, and people would be like, "What WTF? Like, what the heck?" And I did it in a way that I'm kind of selling it to everyone. I'm not just selling it to Bob's. And of course, the majority of my fan base is male. I know that. <laughs> so I just thought it'd be kind of funny. And yeah, it's people, uh, most people who knew, knew me knew it was probably a joke, but then it went to like the other side of Twitter where they were, you know, calling me a whore and stuff. And I was just oh, having God. fun. Like, you just have to entertain yourself, especially during this quarantine, and have some fun. And hopefully, it brought some laughs to people. But no, I'm not actually selling my breast milk. Okay, so Julie, you just brought up that the majority of your fan base is male, and this yeah. kind of ties into Alexis Schlegel. He had a question. He, he his question is, how can we make the liberty movement not so much of the sausage party that it is? Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I have a question. <laughs> A lot. Um, (laughs) So I think there are a lot more libertarian women than people actually think. But I think libertarian women tend to be more in the background, just women in general. Like every time I go to a libertarian convention or something, I'm usually invited by a woman who's like the event coordinator. So she's someone like behind the scenes, like being organized and doing all this stuff where I think that the males are more likely to like you guys to start podcast or, you know, I'm kind of like 
the, a rarity in starting a YouTube channel, like they're more likely to be like in the forefront, men in general, um, where women kind of take the backseat role. So I think probably one way to do it is to help promote women who are making content. Because I think women can relate more to other women, um, especially like now I'm trying to talk more about like motherhood stuff. So homeschooling stuff, which I'm highly considering, things like that I think can get more women on board. So I think promoting women who are already making content would help that. I think in general, though, like the libertarian movement, there's just a lot of arguing about petty, petty things um, that aren't necessarily realistic in the real world. Um, and I think that kind of turns women off where it's like, OK, we actually want to make changes like right now for my family and not get so tied up on the, you know, should we privatize police or, you know, the roads or whatever. Kind of th- th- things that people get really emotional. Kyle loves roads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think it's actually gotten better though over the years do you think there are more women involved or do you think it's pretty much been about the same i mean i know that's well, a hard and, thing to sit to to judge but you know what what's your opinion yeah. on that um like i said i've been involved since 2007 and i do think there's more women involved more than ever before so i do think mm. it i do think it's gotten better awesome that's encouraging. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, you're kind of a veteran to this. I, I can remember a meme where it's like when you start off in libertarianism, you're like this fresh-faced. And this goes for most libertarians. Like we start off with so much enthusiasm and energy. And after 10 years or, or 15 years, you kind of like you get a little jaded. You get like uh, it's like, man, this is not an overnight fix like I thought it was going to be um, when I first got in, introduced and was going door knocking for Ron Paul. I was like, you know, mm-hmm. people are going to hear this guy and they're going to love him. And, uh, you know, we're, this is a tremendous movement. I had a lot more youthful exuberance when I was younger. And now I'm like this grizzled old veteran that's just like <laughs> skeptical of any kind of success. And uh, I guess, ha- have your political views uh, changed at all in the last um, 10 years or 15 years since you became a libertarian? Um, I would say like you, I was more excited and fresh faced when I was 18 years old and talking about Ron Paul, like you, I thought, oh, if I just showed them this YouTube video about Ron Paul with fancy music in the background, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is the second coming or something. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I was more excited and over the years, um, I've changed my political views a lot. I was more radical and then I became more uh, lame and I become more radical and more lame over the years. Um, I I don't know. I I feel like becoming a mother has probably changed me a lot where I'm more focused on local stuff. I'm more focused on the school systems. I'm more focused on like community, my neighborhood, like how can we make this better? as opposed to, oh, let's save this nation, let's save this world. Like, I understand, like, you can't really do that as just one person, but you can make a huge impact locally. So I think more local um, involvement I'm more focused on just because I became a mother. Also, I think over the years, um, you know, I'll admit this, I've struggled mentally a lot being in the libertarian movement because a lot of libertarian creators are just kind of fear-mongering people. Like, I, I know, like, 
there's been times when I was like, oh my gosh, hyperinflation's coming. I need to stock up on gold. I need to stock up on food or, you know, World War III is coming because Trump said something to Iran, like that kind of thing. And seeing all these like libertarians who are kind of just like paranoid people really has hurt my mental health. So at times I've had to kind of check out of that and realize that, you know, it's not as bad as these people think like these people no matter what they're going to say the world's worst thing they're going to say a great depression's coming hyperinflation's coming you know there's uh libertarians who say you know the economic crisis is just around the corner but they've been saying that for like a decade right Uh so i tried to kind of check out Okay, I'm not naming names here, but I kind of checked out at times because I realized that, you know, this isn't good for my mental health. So protecting my mental health has been really important to me lately and just kind of focus more locally as opposed to, you know, national politics. Yeah, um, I went through a period early on in the mo- when I got into libertarianism of just complete fear, uh, really panic. And uh, I was like stockpiling canned goods and water and, and uh and not so much guns, but I, like I bought two guns, you know, I just, I really got sucked into it. And I was like, this thing is going to crash tomorrow. And, uh, and, and I was really afraid and, and I fortunately matured a little bit and calmed down, you know, I mean, days passed, the weeks passed, months passed, the economy doesn't collapse. We don't fe- face the second great depression. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to live like this, you mm-hmm. know, but there are people that do live like that. There are people that are, um, you know, survivalists that they are, they're ready for the apocalypse, man, you know, or, or, or they almost revel in, in, uh, chaos, you know, market, the yeah. market falling and, uh, things like that. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad I grew out of that, out of that phase. And, uh, one thing I've always liked about you is like, you're, um, you, you tend to be a voice of reason or a voice of moderation, right? So you like, a lot of times we get people and I've noticed this like just throughout politics, like there's an extreme one side and an extreme other side. And there's a we need to lock the economy down and shut down everything and arrest anybody that's seen outside their house. And then there's another side that's like, we need to do nothing. And, um, you know, this is just like the flu. And you always kind of have a way of coming in on every issue in the middle and 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 just kind of being like, let's find a happy medium here. You know, we don't need to be. Um, you know, extreme in one way or the other. And I think libertarians in general kind of are good at taking that middle position, but that's something I've always appreciated about your videos and your, your voice. I know that's not really a question, but. No, but thank you. Like I've always tried to be a very diplomatic person, I'd say. And just in general, my whole life, I've always tried to have balance there. So I'm always like, okay, guys, like, let's calm down. Let's look at the facts. Let's, yeah. like, you know, maybe the other side has some good points, which I know you're not supposed to say. And I feel like if I was somebody who just, you know, wanted to throw out red meat to my followers, I'd probably have more followers now. But every time I kind of do the middle ground, people on both sides get mad at me. I lose followers. But you know what? Like, I'm voicing what I believe. Uh, if I didn't believe this, like I want to be able to sleep at night. So I have to find a way to do that. Yeah. Tommy Loren is one who's sort of an extremist, you know, she's going to get people all fired up and a lot of people take advantage of that. There, I would say there are hysterics on both sides Mm -hmm. all the time. And there are just very few voices of like, let's just stay calm. Let's think about this rationally. Um, but, uh, so what, 
Go ahead, Matt. I was going to say, uh, Julie, I have a question. So you mentioned um, we should uh, perhaps like uh, promote more female, like libertarian content creators. Are, are yeah. there some that, that you would want to plug that you think uh, need more attention or with some that you enjoy? Oh, that's a good question. Um, there's a lot of people. I only come up with good questions, Julie. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Julie. There's a, a lot of women, there's a lot of females um, on Twitter, and they all have red hair. Have you guys noticed <laughs> yeah, this? Yes. <laughs> Sherry voluntary. I, mean, I got to dye my hair so that I feel left out, guys. But yeah, there's a lot <laughs> on Twitter who have red hair. Um, you know, I think I've made a list before about it, and I have to look at it. You know? <laughs> Whatever happened to uh, Marianne Copenhagen? Uh, so oh, um, she was working for Rand Paul for a while. I don't know if she still is or not, but I guess that's why she had to take off her social media stuff. She hey, was. Uh, yeah. Ju- Julie, are you familiar with Liberty Doll? Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I've actually been on her channel before. Yeah, she's great. She does yeah. the gun videos. She's actually coming on here soon. We don't have a, a date yet, but uh, she's in. She's down. So that, that's cool. Oh, cool. Yes. What do you? uh, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, What you know? I've been watching a lot of TV during this quarantine. Have you been watching anything good on TV? Uh, Me and my husband are watching The Office for the first time. Wow. (laughs) I I used to not like The Office um, when I was in high school because I would watch just like random episodes on Comedy Central or whatever, and I didn't understand it. Because I thought it was, oh, this is boring, this is dull, but I didn't, I didn't know the characters, right? So we started watching from the beginning, and now I like understand the characters, I get the dynamics there. So it's actually a pretty good show now. Yeah, I'm a big fan of The Office. We we kind of like went through a phase, like we started watching some Office. My parents are actually doing the same thing; they're watching it from the beginning, mm-hmm. and uh, it it's definitely uh, it, it's a weird show in that it has no like laugh track or no like audience laughter or anything like that it's very somber and quiet all the time and yet they find one of the first like like, american comedies to really do that it might be yeah it's it's got that weird feel to it that no other uh comedy has um and then anybody that's ever worked in an office environment can kind of relate to a lot Mm -hmm. of the things in that show so yeah that's a great show um i've been watching westworld which is about the you know artificial intelligence uh taking over so no, that's, I, that's I won't good. be able to do that. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, do you have any uh, opinions on the uh, the current LP candidates at all? President, um, any of the positions, really? Uh, I haven't been paying that much attention to it. Uh, is it Jacob Hornberger? Is that how you pronounce it? Um, I think mm-hmm. he's pretty good uh, from what I've seen. I, you know, it's always like when I say something, people will be like, "Well, what about this? What about that?" I don't know. Like I've just seen, just generally, he seems like a pretty good candidate. Uh, he seems more. He's not crazy libertarian. He's not a conspiracy person. He's not like uh, left libertarian. He seems to be pretty consistent. He's probably the favorite around here yeah. of everybody that's in the running right now. Yeah, another guy named Jim Gray just joined, which uh, he joined super late, which a lot of times that doesn't go over well when people join that late. Um, but I think that the uh, the the more I'll call them establishment libertarians, they're um, looking to hitch their 
you know, hitch their wagon to him. So he should, uh, he'll probably end up giving Jacob Hornberger a run for his money. And then the, along with Justin Amash, if Justin Amash runs, obviously that would be a huge splash. You know, um, I, I, I still don't know that, that, that it would be guaranteed to go to him, you know, like you can't just jump in at the last minute and uh, having not run any kind of campaign at all and expect people to, to, to support you. And, and Justin has a lot of opposition. Like oh, people don't realize the libertarian movement is very divided or the party, excuse me, is very divided. Like they have some real, some far left the guys. Divided got, too, dude. <laughs> the movement's divided yeah. too, but um, yeah, it's, it's all over the place, you know? And, and one guy is, um, you know, vermin Supreme, who you might have heard of. He wears a giant yeah. boot on his head. And, uh, you know, I mean, that <laughs> it, could he actually be the nominee? I don't know. That would be crazy to me if we uh, ran a candidate that had a boot on his head. And he, he would. Se- I've heard he might be serious this time. Is that. No. He's, <laughs> he's as serious as I've a boot on your in- head, you know? <laughs> I mean, I've heard some interviews that it, it makes it seem like he is kind of taking the principles more seriously he's still coming at it from a very like parody you know almost yeah. sarcastic viewpoint but he does seem to when he gets to talking about principles he seems to sound like he's like he's always sort of been against the uh, establishment against you know the two-party system all that and it, it seems like he's like oh i finally found something that kind of makes sense as far as um you know uh as far as the principles go, as far as the platforms go, that sort of thing. Um, but you know, who knows? It could just be another, another performance art for him. We only he really knows that. He's a comedian, you know, or yeah. a or a satire, satirist, or I don't know what you want to call him. Yeah, but satirist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, there's a lot for me. There's been a lot of soul searching on the right path forward for the libertarian movement, just as far as um, politics. And that's like, uh, there were some of the in your group, the group guys. Some people wanted to ask about, um, you know, what you think about the GOP and the prospects for the GOP uh, as far as a as a strategy for the libertarian party going forward. Um, you know, we haven't had much success in the GOP as of late, um, but neither has the Libertarian Party. So um, both paths are looking a little rocky to me. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I, I get a lot of heat whenever I talk about this. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's up to you whether how you want to do it. Like, you know, you talk about the vision is like, well, you know, you, if you want to join the Libertarian Party, go ahead. If you want to join the Republican Party, go ahead. If you want to join the Democratic Party, I don't know what you're thinking, but go ahead. And <laughs> it's like, it's not one strategy doesn't have to be like the only strategy to advance liberty. People get mad at me. They're like, why are you so like unserious about your in your videos? Well, you know what? Go make your own channel. Yeah, right. You want to be serious. Like, right. You know, somebody may not like punk rock, so they may say, hey, you guys should make, like, a country music, like, podcast. No, (laughs) you guys are the punk rock libertarians. Make your own freaking podcast. So, like, I've I've been telling Matt that for years. (laughs) (laughs) I've said before, like, I am a registered Republican. I voted for Ron Paul. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, Justin Amash is, well, now he's not a Republican. I can't use that example anymore. But, you know, Thomas Massey's a Republican. Like, I think you're probably more likely to get more success in the Republican Party. But that doesn't mean, like, I'm like, oh, no, don't join the Libertarian Party. If that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Like, 
I kind of see the Republican Party as being a more short-term goal to get people elected, where I see the Libertarian Party as perhaps more of a long-term, long-game, uh, more educational-focused. And, you know, you can have both, uh, you know, winning elections and education. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And as just one person, there's only so much you can do. So do whatever you think is the best way to advance liberty. You know, like for somebody, somebody says like, oh, you should run for office. No, I don't want to run for office. Like I never want to run for office. I'm a bad candidate. So you go run for office. You go do what you want to do to advance liberty and stop telling people what to do. That's that's a solid answer. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, I had some thoughts that maybe the LP could just exclusively focus on national races. You know, some people have said the LP should just focus on local Um, I've actually come to think that you can't just jump right to the top. Uh, you kind of have to prove yourselves in office as starting at low offices. And, but at the same time, you can't give up on, uh, the presidential race because that's what the country focuses on. When we talk about politics, everyone looks at your presidential candidate and that becomes your voice and, um, presidential politics are, it's almost everything in this country that's what people care about you know bernie sanders is the leader of the social democrats or or whatever you want to call them um so it's just you know and and bernie did incredibly well through the democratic um primary you know he's he's created a lot of socialists and i feel like we've we're losing our grip i feel like we've lost having trump in there takes away the opportunity to run a primary candidate in the republican party and we don't have like a leader right now. We don't have any voice for liberty really at the top because um, you're not no one's running against Trump. So it's like, well, we have to wait eight years before another opportunity to run a presidential candidate. But anyway, I'm just a little discouraged right now. The LP lost their ballot access in Maryland. So, um, you know, and we can't go out and collect signatures because of the quarantine. So uh, and and even even given all that, you know, libertarians like the republic the Republican Party gets their ass kicked in Maryland, you know. Let alone the libertarians. Like, <laughs> well, they do win the governorship every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, but they they won it with a very uh, with, progressive with a Republican, yeah, basically a yeah. Democrat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like a Clinton um, Democrat. Anyway, yeah, just politically, it, it's been tough for me. I don't really know which way to turn without ballot access. And, uh, you know, with Trump in office, I just uh, I'm kind of treading water with politics right now. But uh, yeah, yeah. I feel you. I feel like Trump has done a number to the libertarian movement to divide us (laughs) where, you know, in 2015, as we were gearing up, like there's a lot of people who liked Rand Paul, not all libertarians. But, you know, I think like all libertarians would probably vote for Rand Paul if he had won the primary. They would have sucked up and voted for him. But now with Trump, like there's such a divide between libertarians who hate Trump and then libertarians who are like, well, you know, he's the best we could get despite, you know, his crazy tweets and, you know, attitudes. So there's such a divide. And every time I post something either negative or positive about Trump, because I do try to be fair to Trump uh, because I want him to go in the right direction. uh, You know, I get bashed from all libertarians from all different sides. So it's like it's just. For me, it's like not even worth it to mention Trump, 
at this point because right. so many people have different opinions about him and it's like oh if i say something positive they're like oh i knew you were a trump supporter you know you, you shill all this stuff it's like no i want i like to applaud him when he releases drug offenders from prison like exactly that and but then when i saw something negative about him you know i get bashed oh you're you know you're a liberal blah blah blah, blah. it's like oh my god <laughs> yeah he's a lightning rod for uh, emotions you know we've talked yeah, about that on the like, show the um trump derangement syndrome goes both ways right it's mm -hmm. it, there's his supporters oh, yeah. and his opponents so um, I, i've got a question from the group okay this comes from tim radmore he says why is it you just want old people to die <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the, me there, there was a second part to this question. He's also asking, what, what did you do with your Trump bucks? Oh, so you're assuming I'm that poor, huh? Um, yeah, we got them. We make under that amount. <laughs> um, nothing yet. I think I'm just probably going to save it. Like, I'm a huge saver financial person. So, I, you know, there's nothing I'm going to rush out to buy. I think, you know, hopefully this situation has proved to people like you do need to kind of save some money. I know I talked about like not being paranoid about things, but there has to be a happy medium. Like there's people sure. who live paycheck to paycheck, but they live in like these $400,000 houses and drive new cars. It's like, but you're living paycheck to paycheck. Like if somebody right. were to get sick or something were to happen to you, you would be screwed. Like you are now having to go to like food banks. And I know not everyone can do it, but like, I think we need to kind of be more responsible, you know, it, it, the government is so irresponsible with the money, but even so are our people. They're spending like crazy, and then this whole thing happens, and they can't two weeks, and they're you know on the street starving. It's like okay, guys, like let's have a backup plan here. So I have another question for you from uh, from our group, and uh, um, Tim Miller asks, "What's your opinion on the idea of the digital dollar being proposed in Congress?" Um, I saw a little bit about that. I mean, it is scary because they could just add a bunch of zeros on a computer. But I mean, aren't, isn't that kind of what they that? already do, though? Yeah. So I'd say, like, <laughs> don't they already do that? Like, I know, like, technology and AI and all this stuff and the robots, like, that's, like, more scary. But at the end of the day, they can just print as much money as they want. So adding a bunch of zeros, they're doing the same thing. So. It's it sounds scary, but I don't know if it's that much different than the current situation. Yeah, the vast the vast I mean, majority well, of our money supply is already digital, so I don't understand okay, but, what would be different. Well, here's one thing that would be different: like if you just went down to like uh, a digital currency, right? It's like how does somebody buy weed? No, like seriously, I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, how would you do that with a digital currency if there was no more cash? Like, like, how would somebody well, buy weed? Buy, dude, have you heard of the dark web? I mean, people buy drugs all the time with no cash. They buy well, yeah, but I mean, I, I guess it's, it's more of like a pain in the ass than just being able to use cash uh, to buy a bag from your buddy down the street, you know? Yeah, it would be because you it, like you could Venmo, be, them, but then there's trackable. a record. Exactly. It'd be, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then that guy yeah. gets busted and they go, well, let me see. Let me see every cash transaction you've made yeah. in the last six months. And then you got all his customers. So, um, yeah, it would be a problem for the black markets. They would have to come up with some alternative for exchange. Yeah, Sexual favors, Matt. Have you considered that? 
A blowjob's not traceable. <laughs> Unless you have to get the blowjob permit, man. <laughs> oh. Yikes. Um, okay, uh, I, I got another question I came up with. So what, how would, uh, if you were the governor how of, say, Maryland or any of these states, how would you have uh, handled this corona situation? Probably really badly because I feel like governors are kind of like between a, like a rock and a hard place with this thing because there are people who want the want the economy to open and I completely understand that but then there's people like on social media you see everyone saying lock the state down lock the state down like Larry Hogan every time he would post something like oh I ask Marylanders to stay home there would be a bunch of comments like lock down the state what are you doing so it's like you know, he has to like try to please everyone and you can't please everyone. So I think I would be like, oh, freaking, I don't know. I would immediately resign because you can't make everyone happy. Like it's so it's such a pain. Um, now I would start to slowly open the economy. Um, hopefully people will take responsibility for themselves. Like I think wearing masks is a great idea. I don't think it should be enforced by the government, but hopefully just everyone wears masks, like social distancing, but we can still open the economy because coronavirus, while it's still serious, it has not been as bad as they were predicting at all. The hospitals are underwhelmed in most places like well but i mean who's to say if it's if it if it's not been as bad because they've closed things down and they've managed to flatten the curve well that was already that was already how flat does this curve need to be like i mean well i guess the idea was um if you had things going as usual you know you'd have Mm -hmm. a lot more people sick and you would overrun the hospitals yeah so and, and that could be You're pretty scary from here on out. You're saying, OK, we, yeah, from here on out, I mean, do. like, OK, the curve's been flattened enough, like the hospitals uh, are OK, like we can start to like slowly open up things. And well, I mean, say, say, say you start to say you start to open it up and then yeah. a month from now, a month from now, it's like fucking yeah. red dawn, you know, it's like it's total chaos. It is that everyone's going to blame you. So I feel like governors have like an incentive to be extra cautious because they don't want to be blamed. Right. If things go go to hell, they're going to be blamed. But if like things are okay, people are going to be like, oh, you saved us, even though we know we don't know if they saved us or not because you can't go back in time. So I feel like governors just want to play extra, extra safe. But at the same time, it's coming to the point where, you know, the unemployment, people needing food, like that's becoming a bigger issue, I feel like, than the coronavirus. Yeah, earlier, earlier, I was actually arguing with uh, some libertarians and uh, a libertarian. Uh, everybody knows this guy's name, but I don't want to call him out on the podcast. But uh, at any rate, um, he, she was just saying it was like stupid to wear a mask. And I'm just like, no, common sense dictates that if you wear a mask and if you cough into a mask, Rather than just coughing into the air, you're less um, likely to give somebody whatever you have, right? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've been arguing this on Twitter. Like, guys, it's a good idea to wear a mask. And people are like, oh, you're listening to the government. It's like, well, like two weeks ago, they were saying don't wear a mask. Like, I don't care what they say. Wearing a mask is a good idea. Yeah. If they say, well, it doesn't protect me to wear a mask. Well, it protects other people. So, like, being so stubborn against it, like, you're feeding into this libertarian stereotype that we don't care about other people. Yeah, like, like I feel like if I, I think it's a good idea that if we were to reopen the economy, um, it would be a good idea to do it with everybody wearing masks, 
Mm-hmm. And then I, I think that would, uh, that's got to like stop the spread of it somewhat. Somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's probably the, a better way to go about it, but it, it just seems like so many people are just like, they just like think the, the whole like coronavirus thing is some like Alex Jones conspiracy, you know, <laughs> but, or like a CNN conspiracy or something. It's, it's, they just don't believe that, uh, that it's dangerous at all. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, just, it's just the assumption that anything the government says is always wrong, which, yeah, I mean, the government is wrong about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are occasions where they might agree with the right experts, you know, and and, 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 and you know, they might still use it to expand their uh, their their power, expand their authority, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make the, the reality any different than what it is. And, you know. From what we've seen from, you know, a variety of different experts, you know, ranging from, you know, Falky, who uh, I know a lot of people hate him now. But Isn't it Fauci? Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> or Fauci, um, I, I don't watch, know. I don't watch the news, so I just read that shit in, in, in print. But, um, you know, even aside from him, there's, you know, just all down the line, you know, it just it. The recommendation is, you know, social distancing, wear your mask. Okay. I mean, now do they have the authority to make economic decisions? No. I mean, that's that's a whole another matter, but um you know, it, it my point is just like just because the government decides to agree with some expert on something doesn't necessarily make that expert or a whole bunch a pool of experts wrong just because the government has decided that they want to do so. So So uh uh, Julie, I have, I have another question for you. Um, so have you read into like some people are saying right now that this virus escaped from a lab in Wuhan and didn't come from the market in Wuhan? H- have you read into that at all? Do you have an opinion on it? I've seen some of that, but everyone who posts that, I don't trust them on my Facebook feed. So I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of damaging right now to spread those rumors. Um, I worry about like the anti-China, like, oh, let's nuke them. Let's go to war with them, that type of thing. Um, I worry about that anti-China mentality. So I try not to like spread rumors that are not, um, you know, (laughs) confirmed at this point. I think it really has changed my mind about trade with China. Um, I'm kind of worried about that more than I was before. Like when Trump would talk about trade with China, I'd be like, you know, what, what are you talking about? But you know, they make a ton of our medicine, a ton of our antibiotics. And our masks. Goes, yeah. yeah. Like it, it is scary to me now, like that China is all, you know, state owned. They could just pull the plug on our medicines. And that's scary to me. Like, yes, I support free trade. Yes. I understand the point of trade, you know, it's good for peace. It's good for cooperation, but we have this evil Chinese empire who is just, who could just really hurt us badly if they wanted to. Um, so that has really kind of changed my mind about trade with China. So I wonder in the end, if this coronavirus thing is actually going to uh, be in Trump's favor because of the whole trade thing, because of immigration borders things, if he's going to play it in his own hands. Yeah. It, it's going to play into all protectionist hands, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, the, yeah, everybody's going to try to use it for whatever around. they can use it for. Yeah, around the world, I think you're going to see a move toward less globalism, less global trade and more, so okay, let's make sure we're, we're self-reliant here and we don't, 
you know, you could see borders more likely to be closed. I mean, we're already seeing restriction of travel just between states in the United States. Everybody's kind of closing up. And uh, my, my concern, you know, I don't think the coronavirus is going to go away. I think that this is just part of our existence now. And that uh, at some point we need to get on with our lives and uh, figure out how to deal with it. Because, like, I don't think there's going to be a point where we're like, oh, we beat it. It's gone. You know, yeah. like this may be our new flu. This may be just a new thing that you might catch. Sure. So, you know, how do you deal with that? How do you go forward? Do we stay yeah. in our houses forever? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think the initial reaction was just to basically stop it from just overloading the the healthcare system but yeah i mean once we once we've gotten over that point which it seems like we're getting there you know yeah i mean there's a potential that this could be a recurring thing just like the flu in addition to the flu and clearly we can't shut down forever you know so yeah you're you're starting to see pushback i mean there was a protest in maryland um yesterday um, people went down to annapolis i understand they stayed in their cars and like drove around or something like that i don't I don't know. That's what I heard. But, um, you know, a lot yeah. of people are like, they went to okay. The Capitol, yeah. Yeah. And they're like, did you go, Phil? Did you hear about it? No, no. Uh, David Dahl went and um, <laughs> there was a protester that showed up. She had a, she was a counter protester. And so she just stood outside on the sidewalk with a sign that said, go home. <laughs> she was, <laughs> it's, like, it's a very ironic protest it's like yeah like who wait what why like it doesn't make sense wait, where uh, did it was funny whole... she had a mask on so people were like well at least she was she was social distancing and she had a mask on so i she was in the right to protest like, but everybody yeah, but in the protest is very ironic. vehicles right as i understand it yeah everyone was in, mostly in their vehicles yeah there was like a handful of people that were walking around but mostly everyone was on their vehicles and of course uh the police shut off access to to drive right right in front of the cap uh the, the state the state house or whatever and um so they were directing traffic and moving people away but it was like several hundred cars showed up to protest was her name karen for, like, it mostly turned into a trump rally <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might have been i, I don't um, know where that meme come yeah What'd you say, Julie? I know. I hate, I hate that, that I hate too. It's like it has turned because it. anti-Trump people are gonna be like, "Oh, they're they're just Trump people. Like they have a good point. Like they want to go back to work." And I'm glad they stayed in their cars, like to be responsible about right. it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the frame. It just it is... sucks because like it was mostly a Trump thing, though. Oh, it was. No, I'm saying it was like there was a lot of more Trump fans. Yeah, there's a lot like Trump flags and. And one would, you know, one would expect, but, and I, I just, I hate how it has to turn to it. It's like, I'll agree with a leftist on a certain point and be like, oh yeah, you know, I totally agree with that. And I'll agree with this, you know, they're, I guess now, cause it's like a lot of Trump supporters are going out this with, for the reopen Maryland uh, movement. Yeah, bring and Trump it's, flags it's is not the way to go. Like everyone just thinks all I want to do is, yeah, it's like, all, like you said, all they want to, all they think is I just want people to die. I know. I, I just want people to get back to work. You know, I, I see so many industries or so many businesses that are just will never recover from this. And it's, my life's changed, and you know, most everyone else's too. I mean, but I'm fortunate enough; I still have a job, and I can still pay my bills right now. But there's so many people that can't, and they just want to get back to work. They're they're willing to risk their health, and but everyone's like, well, yeah, but you're risking other people's health, and it's other people. You need to protect, you know, everyone else. But it's like. 
I mean, everyone takes risks every day. And I know that's overstated right now by my side of the argument. But it's true. Like, I don't know what else to say. It's like we need to – there just has to be a certain point where we're like, you know what, this is enough. Like, enough. I don't care what police say. I don't care. Like, I wear a mask every day at work because I have to. And it's – I don't know. Like, it's causing like, this huge red mark here on my skin, on my nose. And, like, my daughter came up to me. She's like two – or she's three. And she can't – she's like, Daddy, you have – you have color on your nose. You have color on your nose. Hey, Phil, and she's Phil, like maybe you at should, it and it's like it's sore and it hurts. Phil, maybe you should try some Vagisil. What? God damn. Shut up. <laughs> but it's like, and if, so, so like hypothetically, if my mask is giving me a, and it gets me like an infection, like a skin infection on my nose, I have to go to the hospital. I go to the hospital and I pick up coronavirus. Like that's not, a, that's not something I want to run into. And it's, it's just, I don't know. Like I, I wish there was some type of happy medium Sometimes, and I, I think it is going to come. There's going to be a day soon where people just say, enough's enough. I'm going to work. I'm going to open up my church. I'm going to open up my restaurant. And, you know, I'll be damned. You know, I'll fight these fines. I'll fight, you know, whatever police come in here and try to shut me down. I'll fight it because I just, I can't, just can't keep going like this. Yep. I mean, my mental yeah, well, health, I, mean, is, well, I felt you, like it might not be so smart to open up your church. I mean, wasn't there that one uh, pastor who like defiantly spoke, like when they, people told him not to, he still had church services and then he died a couple weeks later from the coronavirus. Yeah. yeah I mean, it might happened. not be smart to open up your church, dude. And it's like, my, you know, my parents are in their like mid to late sixties and you know, I don't want them like going to church where people are like belting out hymns and, you know, spitting particles all over the place, you know, <laughs> I mean, I worry yeah, for that. I know. I mean, my my father's spittle hymns. It's. I don't think. I don't think there should be a law closing down churches, but I feel like churches should do the responsible thing and just hold like internet services. Yeah. Or they. I mean, or they can have services where like only they fill every other pew has someone on each end. You know, they have limited services or limited people you reserve for. You know, like I mean, they can open up in that way. Like they can think they can devise a plan themselves to keep everyone safe to keep you know to you know social distance whatever but it does you know let let companies and let people take that responsibility and i know you say oh well people some people are just irresponsible they need to be controlled no but i wouldn't say that, that. Just, there's there's i mean they, they sell people short but i know but people all do say that and they sell people short i know there's churches like i was just thinking about it. i was driving past my church at the end of my street i'm like well why can't there be people at either pew at either like say like a four family like a family of four on either end of of each other pew and it kind of goes back and forth everyone has to wear masks to attend service they uh you know they bring you know they can maybe bring i don't know like i'm catholic so like if they bring the eucharist to you you know what i mean it's as opposed to everyone getting up and standing in a line and then everyone leaves church and they just have like a, re a continuous amount of services like a shortened service or something like that because pe this is serious people are not getting the sacrament it's yeah, like, but to play a little bit of something it may not mean that much to me but that means something to other people but to play a little bit of status advocate, yeah. Phil. Um, so, like, in Florida, uh -huh. they, they said, like, okay, the beaches are open. And they said, like, okay, you can't you can't uh, sunbathe, but you can ride your bike on the beach. Or you can, uh, I think you can go surfing. And then they show pictures, and it's just people, like, swarms of people, like, not practicing social distance, not doing anything like that. You know, so... And, you know, I'm just I'm playing status advocate here. But, you know, this is what happens if like, OK, but you, you I, go ahead. But that logic, then that logic breeds the mentality of, well, we need it. Some people just need to be controlled like they need to be 
dictated to and they need to be controlled and i don't I mean I don't, i'm not saying no. like I, of course i agree there's some certain people that clearly like that you know they're not fit murderers rapists yeah those type of people need to be out of society but like people are going to the beach and, and I, yeah you're right the people shouldn't be crowding up i wouldn't do that i know yeah I, it's it's just a, it's a weird structure i think that might no, would be you. that and, might and be an isolated incident of like public yeah. beaches right because in Ankapistan, all the beaches are True. privately owned. So you can say like, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so you can be like, hey, you know, I uh, I want to keep my beaches safe. So if I see you, uh, you know, whatever. And then well, I mean, okay, well, I mean, okay. So one could also make the argument, you know, if the beaches were privately run, you know, the private owner might want to make more money and might admit more people into the beach that are safe. So it's it's not like anybody has this like you know has this like perfect answer and you know, no. like, you know, like I, I think Phil's argument for like, Oh, we need to open shit up. I think, I think that makes the call for, we need states to control people because it's like when you, when you talk about like opening church back up again next week or like for Easter, you know, you're, you're really, you're just begging for the government to come in. Cause it, it's like a stupid, it's a dumb fucking idea. But it's dumb to, it's dumb to you. There's some people that that's their holiday. That's the most cherished holiday in the Catholic church. Like that matters to people. And it's, that's also talking about people's mental health. Like it's already starting to get to me where it's like, yeah, I can't dude, dude, look, at, look at how many old people attend, attend church. I can't sit down. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, those people need to start knowing because this, okay. This, what goes back to me is we have been led and taught since from cradle to grave, in for the past few generations that government is the answer for everything. And that's what you saw. These kids that go to spring break when said, Hey, look, we were recommending don't go to these beaches. They were the, the, their mental. I know it. Man. I heard it from them. They said, well, if this was serious enough, government would not let us go. And so that's why they went because they were like, well, government will tell us not to do something. That's, that should be our, our that's our, our line, well, you know, our thing, red yeah. line, our line in the sand. That's and I it's think like, if you keep getting people aren't that really responsible for their own actions because right. they're just like, well, I'll wait till government tells me I can't. I'll wait till there's a law. Right. That's how people think these days. And I think that's why, you know, everyone talks about Rothbard's button. I don't know if I push Rothbard's button because I think this is it took us a generation or several generations to get out of this mindset of of, you know, personal liberty and personal responsibility now where everyone's just like, oh, well, you know, I'll just wait for a government solution. I think, you know, if you press that button, people are still going to clamor for government. And I, you know, I don't think I'd press it. You know, I don't know if yeah. that's a whole other topic, but you know, yeah, I, Julie, just, what do you, I what think do you... people need to start taking account for their, their actions. Julie, what are your, what are your thoughts on this uh, argument we just had? Um, <laughs> you know, Sorry, a I lot ramble. of people say a lot of people say that the bad, there are going to be bad apples no matter what you do. Right. Yeah. But the gov governors were at first asking people, please stay home, please stay home. And then we saw the spring break pictures. But I feel like most people were already staying home. Mm -hmm. Like what goes viral on social media is the spring breakers is like and they were doing some awful things yes. with their butts on the beach. OK, <laughs> so that kind of stuff goes viral because people are like, oh, my gosh, this is so disgusting. Retreat, retreat, retreat. But we don't see that the majority of people were staying home. So that just bugs me that we have to have this lockdown because of these bad apples who right. were 
the minority of people, like even the CDC estimates, they had, oh, maybe 50% of people are going to obey by social distancing. I think it was more than 50%. You know, at least I saw like the, saw from my people, my family, like we were all, you know, social distancing. And it was these bad apples who made us into the lockdown. And I think these people were taking that risk because there wasn't the lockdown because yeah, I agree. There was kind of a training here. Well, it's not that bad because government said, doesn't say so. It's just right. like, with like drugs, a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to do this drug because the government says it's illegal. Well, if government were to say it's, this is legal. Oh, does that mean it's fine? Um, I've heard a lot of statists make that argument, and I think there maybe is something there because we have been so conditioned. Oh, the government says what's right and what's wrong, that if they let me do these drugs, then, okay, this, is, this isn't this is that bad for me, right, to take this meth or whatever. So, yeah, there is something there. Libertarians believe in personal responsibility, right? So isn't it up to people if they want to take the risk to go to church or go to the beach to let them do that? I mean – you know, how parental should the government really be? And and I would if it was up to me, I would reopen things with the qualification that everybody needs to take precautions. Like when I go to Lowe's now, they have a glass shield in front of the cashiers, you know, and yeah. a lot of things are no touch or, you you know, um, like Lowe's is like counting people that come in. You know, they only have so many people in the store at one time. And uh, I go stand in line at uh, a restaurant to order carry out and they have tape on the floors marking off six feet so that people stay six feet apart yeah, and everybody I mean, in line has masks. I so you enough, can there's enough social pressure to accomplish this mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, when you hear about, you know, the, the people that are, are wildly, you know, wildly like just flagrant, flagrant about like this, you know, not going along with this whole thing i mean they they get pretty much trashed so it's mm -hmm. like we could accomplish this without any sort of government force at all the problem is we like you've said uh we've been conditioned to need the government to tell us to do shit and you know it just highlights um just just the flaw i mean it really comes down to, to to education right i mean i mean it goes deep right it goes to childhood education all that kind of stuff where it's like you know, you're just trained to listen to authority. So if authority does not tell you to do something, you just assume that you that you should be doing it, you know. And then now it's it's sort of the inverse where it's like, you know, as libertarians, we're, we, we hear like the government's saying to do something. So we automatically, as we should, uh, we automatically assume that's that it's the wrong thing to be doing. Um, now, I'm not talking about like forcefully shuttering anything like i i don't believe in government force at all you know um i'm just talking about you know should we ought to be voluntarily shuttering our stuff as needed and i i think that's a good idea i think it is irresponsible to open up a church um right now but you know should should a church uh pastor go to jail for opening a church absolutely not that's that's ridiculous um so, you know, it just gets real complicated when we live in this sort of uh, fabricated reality that's just created by government indoctrination from the bottom. And now it's like, you know, what the fuck do we do? You know, it's, it just makes everything super crazy. It's hard to f make heads or tail of everything. 
Yeah. So we're running out of time here. I'm going to give uh, Julie a second to do any plugs that she would like to do. Like Julie, where can people find you? People can find me at onlyfans.com slash Julie Borowski. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. And, and uh, Liberty Junkies. Oh yeah. I have a website. I sell shirts, mugs, all this kind of stuff. LibertyJunkies.com. And I hope it's not that terrible of stuff. Oh. And you wrote a, a children's book. Yes. Called. Nobody, where can we get that book? Nobody knows how to make a pizza. It's modeled on iPencil, and you can get it on Amazon. Nice, nice. I yeah. meant to mention that at the beginning. That's my fault, Julie. So hopefully the it's listener okay. stayed on and heard the plugs at the end. Yeah. So, um, and also uh, tomorrow night we're going to have a uh, 420 special. And I know you guys are asking yourselves, but Matt Bergman, you celebrate 420 every podcast. How will this be different? And uh, to that, I have no answer. But uh, tomorrow night, we've got um, we've got uh, some newcomers coming to the podcast. We've got GI Mary Jane coming on. Um, we've also got James Babb coming on, and uh, our our special guest is going to be Cop Block co-founder Demo Freeman. So he's kind of been uh, laying low, and he's going to just he he actually he told me when I hit him up about this, he's like, "Yeah, we can talk about anything. My life's an open book." So this should be a fun time. Um, you know, also, uh, if you, uh, we're about to head on over to the Patreon. So if you hit us up at patreon.com forward slash punk rock libertarians for, uh, a minimum of $1 per month, you'll gain access to our after hours program. Uh, we also, um, also this podcast is brought to you in part by conversations about freedom podcast, uh, with, uh, host moral Bob. So check those guys out. And, uh, we also have t-shirts over at libertariancountry.com. If you type in the code PRL or the code PRL podcast, you'll receive a 10% discount. Until next time, live free or die. Statism could break the blood that is shed. Stretching the flags of the tax bombs in red. Voices by a few at the expense of the many. So do the gods and the machine. You can't justify killing by economic gain. For God, country, and democracy. You can put freedom in that point in a fine land. To support the truth, then bring them home. I believe the joke will do the best for you. And I believe that we have the power. Have the power. Not aggression principle, the violence of the state becomes absolute!